Hello and welcome back to Cool Gems. I'm Jelen, and this is a place where we come together to talk about dramas. I should probably change that intro because it's just not that interesting. And but welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. It's so nice to be able to talk to you again. I mean, I feel like I say that every episode now, but it's true. Life has been crazy. It has been absolutely crazy. It's been a lot of all-nighters, rushing for time, and just haven't really had time to watch anything. So I am so sorry that episodes have been kind of irregular. Well, actually, they've been pretty regular. It's just been bi-weekly. No, I mean fortnightly instead of the usual weekly episodes. But um. If you are still here, I am so grateful that you are still listening to this, and I hope you are doing well. I hope you are staying safe, you are staying healthy, and that you are getting enough rest because it really it really sucks when you don't have enough sleep. Let me know how you're doing if you want to. You know where to find me: Cool Gems Pod on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to talk to you. But for now, I am really excited to get into today's drama, Startup. Why does that sound so weird? Startup, start up, startup. Huh? How does one English? This has been English class with Jelen. You are very welcome. <laughs> How do you say the word? Let me know. You can just tell this is unscripted again because I just. <laughs> I'm going horribly off topic, but I am so excited because I've been seeing this drama all over my timeline. You know, everyone has been talking about it. My friends have been asking if I've seen it, and I honestly wasn't going to watch it because I thought it looked kind of rom-comish, and I have nothing against that. It's just that, I mean, you've seen what I've watched. You know by now that I watch my rom-coms. But I just wasn't really in the mood for it, you know. And、um, except that it's not what I imagined it to be, and I ended up watching it, and it's great. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a drama by its stills. That's good advice right there. And I'm really enjoying it so far. I mean, it's about starting up a business. Starting up a business, and I've always wanted to do that. Honestly, I. I'm a huge fan of Natasha Ocean. I really hope I'm not mispronouncing her name. I am a huge fan. I promise. It's just that's what I've been calling her in my head for like the past year or so that I've been following her. But she never introduces herself as like, "Hey guys, I'm Natasha Ocean." She doesn't do that. So I it might be wrong. If it is, I'm sorry, Natasha. But this girl, right? She's such a huge inspiration to me. She has like multiple businesses in different industries, and she's always trying new things and just having big dreams and daring to go for them. And I, I want that too. You know, I want to, I want to try that. So this drama, being about you know starting up your own business and everything, was really interesting to me. After I found out what it was about, of course. If you are waiting for my spoiler warning, here it is. If you haven't seen the drama, if you haven't seen the first four episodes, don't listen past this point because we will be talking about what happens in the episodes. So come back when you have watched it. 
But if you have seen the drama, then let's just get into it. First impressions, you know, this drama gave me very Itaewon class vibes. I should probably have like a second spoiler warning because I want to talk a little bit about Itaewon class. If you haven't seen that, maybe you should skip ahead like a minute or so. I'll tell you in the description, alright, where to skip to since I can't, you know, predict the future. But if you have seen it, the premise is quite similar, right? Even the style of the episodes are kind of similar. In the sense that they are both about, you know, chasing your dreams, setting up a business, with the odds all stacked against you. In both dramas, we see that the dads are being unfairly treated. They both had to leave their companies due to unfair practices. And both dads decide to start up their own business. In Itaewon class, the dad decided to start up a restaurant. Well, in this drama, the dad decided to start up like a technology delivery service platform thing. I think something like Uber Eats. And we know that both dads met a tragic end. You know, I knew it was gonna happen for this drama. You just, you just know, you know? It's like with Itaewon class, they always take away like good parents. The good parents always just... Okay, maybe not always because Record of Youth had um, really good parents. But with this drama, you could tell it was coming and I was so not looking forward to it. So Loki kind of wanted to skip over the first episode so we could just get that part over and done with. But I did not. I just spent the first episode or the first two episodes, I don't remember now. But anyways, I was just kind of like hiding behind my pillow and just willing it to not happen. But it did, as it did with Itaewon class, as it did with many dramas. Sigh. I just find it really heartbreaking, you know? It's... I get why they do that. I just think that you can have good stories even without tragic pasts. But of course, on the other side of the coin, you know, if you've had traumatic things happen to you in the past, if you had a less than ideal childhood, it doesn't mean you won't succeed. It doesn't mean you won't find happiness. It doesn't mean you won't find love. Which I believe this drama is trying to show and that's a good message. It is. I just wish that they didn't have to go through this kind of experience, you know? I wouldn't wish for anyone to experience this. So yeah, was not looking forward to it at all. Oh, another similarity that I wanted to talk about is the fact that the drama sets up so much between the main character and the second lead right at the start of the drama. So in this drama, we saw, you know, Talmi's past and her connection to Han Ji-pyong, you know. So when I first watched this, I, I honestly thought that Han Ji-pyong was the main character, which is really interesting. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the character so far. This isn't a complaint or criticism. It's just another point of similarity with Itaewon class, in my opinion. I thought that Han Ji-pyong was the main male lead, but he isn't. It's like with Itaewon class, right? We saw so much of Sua and her connection to Seroi. In the first episode, I mean, when they are talking about the history, the backgrounds of the characters, their childhoods. 
But it turns out Sua was the second lead, as is Han Ji Pyeong in this drama. I find it really interesting though because it shows that these characters are main characters in their own right, you know? They are not just supporting characters to the main couple. They have their own backgrounds, they have their own histories, they have their own, you know, characterizations, which is really nice. I love when dramas do that. I don't mean the whole childhood connection thing. That's fine, that's fantastic, but just characters having their own storylines, I, I enjoy that. So that's it for the similarities, I think, so far. So note to self, this is where we stop spoiling Itaewon class. So welcome back if you skipped ahead earlier. This is not, this is just, there's no structure whatsoever. <laughs> No script. But that's how a conversation is supposed to go, right? You're, you're not supposed to have a structure. You're just supposed to say whatever comes to mind. I mean, think before you speak, of course, but you just go with the flow. Anyways, back to the drama. I wanted to talk about the family relationships because there's so much going on in this drama in terms of family. Talmi's family, right? That's a huge, huge plot point. Her family is split into like two vastly opposing groups right now, polar opposite groups. On one side, we have Talmi and her grandmother who are living an honest life. They don't seem to be doing very well, or at least that's what I assume the drama is trying to tell us. You know, with Talmi's broken heels, um, having to color in, you know, <laughs> the spots in her heels having to walk up the stairs because the escalator is broken, having to work really hard, not being able to get a full-time job, and the grandmother having to still work really hard even in her old age. But at the same time, Talmi has some designer bag action going on, so... And her house too, you know, I think she has a lovely house. I'm not sure exactly how the housing situation, what the housing situation is like in Korea, but I've always had the impression that houses, apartments even, are really expensive in Korea. But it looks like she has a beautiful house, complete with skylights and everything. So if she really needed that money, maybe she shouldn't have splurged on, you know, bags and, you know... <laughs> Maybe get a cheaper apartment, I don't know. I'm just kidding, I know it's a Korean drama thing. No matter how poor the character is, they will always be on top of their fashion game. Or at least their clothes would probably cost like half a fortune or something. Way more than I can afford. But yeah, so I assume that their side of the family is supposed to be, you know, doing badly. And this is contrasted with Inja's side of the family. That is, Talmi's sister and mom. Inje is doing really well, you know. She is a CEO of a really successful, thriving company. Although I don't really understand if she is running her own company or if this is her stepfather's company. Because in episode 1, right, when we were first introduced to this whole universe, she was attending the sandbox relay lecture thing. They all were. Except, you know, Namdo-san. But Inje was asked something like, 
do you belong in sandbox or, or something like that? And she said something like, I have a rich father. Wouldn't it be very shameless for me to be a part of sandbox? And I think the drama mentioned a couple of times that she took her rich stepfather's money, you know, to set up a company. So I thought that the company that she was CEO of was something that she set up, you know, that she founded with her stepfather's money. But right now it kind of looks like it was his company that she was temporarily running for him because she is a very capable talent. Because why else would he have so much say, you know, in the matters of the company? I know he funded it and it was based off his capital, but... If she was the one who founded it and she was the one who built it up, surely she has more say? I don't see why she wouldn't have power at all. Then again, I don't run a business, so it could be that I just don't know how it works. It's probably that. But you know, back to the family thing. On the outside, it looks like they are doing really well. I mean, the mom is staying in a hotel all year round. That's a huge expense. I can't even remember the last time I stayed in a hotel. It's just been Airbnb. This is not an ad. <laughs> but it's a lot friendlier on the budget, you know? Hotels are expensive, and she's staying there all year round when her house is like on the same street or something. So they are doing really well. I mean, they own a whole huge conglomerate, so I'm not surprised. But it's a very surface level thing it's a very external kind of prosperity i guess remember when she was having you know lunch was it or tea with her mom and um india i mean and she took photos for her instagram you know and they looked so perfect that's the kind of life that is supposed to be you know that we are supposed to envy being a rich table daughter having fancy lunch with your mom. She was constructing this image of being, you know, successful in all areas of her life, in her family relationships, in her career. She has it all. That's the image she's trying to construct. And, you know, we saw Talmi scrolling through Instagram and seeing that photo and just looking really wistful, I guess. Inja's life looked so perfect. But then reality was so different. While she was taking those photos of her mom, they were in the midst of an argument. That's something that's not part of her Instagram. It's not part of her carefully constructed persona, you know? The rich stepfather that she is so proud of. It looks like he just values her as someone who can benefit him, not a daughter of his, you know? And the mom who wanted so badly to have a, a husband who could provide for her, who could, you know, give her the life she wanted, I guess, isn't really living the life that she wants to live either. It looks like it's a loveless marriage. And that's so sad. This family is like completely perfect on the outside, but very broken on the inside. And you know, India has a brother now, but instead of having like a good, healthy sibling relationship, it looks like there's a lot of competition going on between her and her brother for her father's approval. Except, you know, she is falling short because her father favors, you know, his biological son. And that's actually a really interesting point. 
Because early on in the drama, you know, when we found out that the mom was getting remarried, Inje was telling Taemi about all these different opportunities that she was getting because of her stepfather. And at that point, I was thinking to myself that this stepfather seems like a pretty great guy. I was pretty surprised, actually. Not that all stepfathers are necessarily bad people, it's just, it's the K-drama world, you know? So I was pretty surprised that he was willing to send her abroad to study, and that according to her, he was willing to give her money to start up a business. It sounded so much like he was willing to invest in her life, that he had accepted her as his daughter, someone he wanted to, you know, nurture and bring up to propel to success. And considering how much Inje was on his side, you know, she changed her family name, she um, she tried to counsel her mom in favor of her stepfather. I mean, I don't know if he completely doesn't care about her, if he was just using her. The drama seems to be hinting at that. And you know, it's it's so sad. She's worked so hard for approval, for affection, you know, and she's just not getting any of that. Not from her stepfather, not from her mom, not from anywhere. It doesn't look like the public likes her very much either, considering all the hate comments that she's getting, as we found out in episode 1. Even though she's been so successful, even though she has all these achievements and she's doing so well for herself, and it made me realize again how there's just no point in comparing yourself to others because they might have, you know, things that you wish you could have in your life, but they are also facing struggles that you don't really want to have either, you know? That's, of course, not to say that if you are successful, you can't be happy. It's just that happiness is so much more than just material success, you know? Your worth is so much more than just getting all the right achievements. Because if that's what you base yourself off of, then you'll never feel enough. Because there's always new goals, there's always new achievements, which means there's always new things to chase, which means where you are is not good enough anymore. And while it's good to have dreams and it's good to have goals and plans and uh, ambitions, they don't make up your worth, you know? And... They are just external achievements. Good to have, I'll admire you for it, but it's not what you're worth. It's not what gives you approval. And this is quickly becoming a TED talk. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit more about the mom because I just don't understand how, how is it possible that she never once looked for her daughter in those 15 years, especially when the dad passed on. I mean, I know Talmi chose to remain to stay with her dad, but after he was gone, how is it that her mom never came to take Talmi with her? I know Talmi had a grandmother, and she probably wanted to stay with her grandmother anyways, but I don't get why her mom wouldn't come for her, considering it looks like she does care about her daughter. Inja too, though. I know I've been talking a lot about India, but she's just such an interesting character. Even though she made the choice to, you know, go with her mom and to um, follow her stepfather, she wasn't a bad daughter. You could see that she cared a lot about her dad. She was crying, you know, when he got beat up. 
she was there too, you know, trying to convince, you know, when they were trying to convince their mom to not get a divorce. She was really close to telling me too. So why wouldn't she want to be reunited with her sister in those 15 years? I mean, I know that she did come back, you know, to see uh, Talmi. They did meet up. But after what happened to their dad, why wouldn't she want to take her sister with her? Right now though, it seems like she just wants to compete and win against her sister. And I feel like that's from a very deep-seated place of insecurity that she feels that Talmi is a threat to her. But I do hope that we get to see them repair the relationship. I'm pretty sure we will because they are both main characters, but it's probably going to come after a lot of competition, which I'm not very much looking forward to because we all know that Talmi is going to win. And of course I want her to succeed. She's the underdog, you know? She's been through so much. She's a great person too. It's easy to root for her. It's easy to support her. But I want for all of them to succeed. Because I think it would really suck if you've tried all your life. If you've tried your hardest, you know, to please everyone around you. And to do your best in everything. And to, you know, chase after all these achievements. Only to just lose out in the end and i feel like that might happen for india that's why i'm not really looking forward to that but i think that's a journey that she has to take for herself and that she has to you know she has to find out that this isn't a competition this is life and both her and her sister are winners they are both equally deserving of being loved of being accepted and approved and I hope we get to see that journey. Moving away from their family for a bit, I want to talk a little bit about Namdo-san's family because who is Tosan's father and how is he, like what does he do? You know, because he is an investor into Tosan's company, right? So it sounds like he has some money, but how? Is he like a CEO too? Not that he has to be, I'm just curious. Because the way he talks to his son, right, it seems like he actually knows what he's doing. He actually knows what he's talking about. He asked his son to justify um, why he should continue investing in the company. And the way I see it, it looks like he was training his son. It looks like he was preparing his son for future meetings, you know, of how he should present his proposal and his ideas to um, potential investors. And even though he seems to be on the cynical side, he seems to be, you know, a little bit discouraging, he doesn't flat out, you know, refuse his son, um, refuse to um, help his son. It's not that. He just wants his son to, you know, have a refined idea, to, to have a better plan, to have a better proposal, and I thought that was a pretty good constructive, good constructive criticism, you know? The frills, the banter, you know, I thought that was just for the laughs, so that's fine. Um, but I like that he treated his son like an actual business person, an actual business partner that he was communicating with. And so he had that expectations, not from the perspective of a father, but from the perspective of an investor. 
So not just, you know, throwing money at his son to support him and not just, you know, flat out, you know, cutting him off to discourage him, but to actually sit down and listen to his ideas and proposal, even though, of course, he did withdraw his um, investment because the the technology wasn't really working the way, you know, <laughs> Tosan intended it to be. And I guess the idea didn't seem solid enough to him. But that he even sat down to consider it, I thought that was pretty good practice. Pretty respectful. So I want to know what he does. I'm not sure if the episodes have talked about it. I don't think they have. But I feel like I wasn't the most focused when I was watching episode 4. So I might have missed out on something. So let me know if they've said something. But otherwise, I guess I'll just keep watching to find out. Tosan's friends, though, they are so funny. I love the idea of Samsan Tech, that it means three sons, because I thought that was hilarious. The fact that they are all dressed the same way, too, and just kind of the same, you know, three peas in a pod kind of vibe. I don't know, I just think it's so cute. And it's so much fun to watch them interact and, you know, to figure out this this company business thing together. Kind of clumsy but endearing, you know? So that's a lot of fun to watch. Han Ji-pyong also, you know, such a great character. Such an intelligent guy. You know, he wasn't dealt with um, the best of cards when he was young. He had a terrible childhood. He had to fend for himself very early on, and he managed to do so. You know, he is a very resourceful guy, and I really admire that about him. He's just very capable all around. So when he had that conflict, right, with um, Nam Do-san, you know, and he was saying all these mean, um, nasty things about Do-san's company, I honestly just didn't really know what to feel about that. The thing is, he doesn't have to be mean, you know, he doesn't have to be nasty. And he didn't start off, you know, wanting to criticize or put Samsung Tech down. That wasn't the plan. But it happened, it was mean, I don't think he should have said that. But then at the same time, you know, he has a fantastic eye for investment. And that's how he has managed to do so well for himself. He's good. He's good at his job. So when he felt that Samsung Tech did not have what it took to, you know, be a good um, company, a good investment, I don't doubt that he has very valid reasons to think so. Competition is intense, you know. It's not that easy to start a business. It's not that easy to succeed. I'm not saying that I don't want Samsung Tech to succeed because... Of course I want them to succeed, you know. That would be a great inspiration to me too. I want to have my own business too. But I just... I don't know if it's too much of a fantasy-like story. Because, you know, if a trained eye, you know, someone who is experienced, thinks your idea needs work, it probably does need work. And that's fine because none of us can be perfect, you know, right from the start. We don't just start out fantastic we work our way up there and it's okay to take time to learn it's okay to take time to experiment and to make mistakes 
But I mean, Han Ji Pyeong did kind of, you know, unnecessarily put them down and shoot them down and not give any kind of constructive, constructive criticism or feedback, which wasn't good. So I guess going forward into this drama as the episodes progress, I hope we get to see how they go through this process of learning, of refining, of, um, you know, working hard and trying new things and not just, you know, magically succeed because they are the main characters. What I mean is, I don't want Namdo-san to prove Han Ji-pyong wrong just because he is the male lead. I would love for him to prove himself by, you know, actually working things out and refining his ideas and just getting better, you know? I'm gonna stop the episode here now because I have been talking for hours even though my recorded content is actually really little once you cut out all the gibberish. Um, but what about you? What do you hope to see in future episodes? What do you think of this drama so far? Do you have a favorite character? Is there anyone you are especially rooting for? Let me know! There's so much more I still want to talk about. The cast especially, I, I've been wanting to say so much about them, but I've actually talked my throat raw, so <laughs> I'll save that for later. But for now, I'll bid you adieu. See ya!